Well, there's one outside, right? Mm -hmm. Not that I want. Right, oh, where was I? 24 years ago, the captivating Cosmo X, Master of the Unknown, the banner proclaimed boldly and proudly, is it draped over the long table in neon brightness. The children gathered around in wild excitement and nervous adaptation. Their eagerness tempered with fear is prominent combination, and several parents feared for not having caught brought changes of underwear. Tony Marsh was the birthday boy. He was twelve and king of his own castle, at least for the day. He was an average boy, not very popular within the school political heresy, but he wasn't one of the downtrodden either. He rode the curve as a happy enough child, with friends and loving parents, both of whom and put on today's show for his benefit. He circles the invites for the grand performance for the fourfold. His closest friend, Peter Goffrey, or PJ as he was, all, he was known, was a small and studious boy, always ready for an idea of a plan for rainy days. Russell Dixon and Lee McFeehan were as close as twins despite not being treated, not being related, were troublemakers, always looking to push the envelope, always looking for danger, but fiercely protective of the group. Is Alison Chambers, she was a scruffy girl with a paternal sniff and wipe of a dirty sleeve. She was a heart of them, always on the outside of social circles, due to her poor family background. She was their unofficial mascot, adopted, protected and loved. The summer day was blazing hot with a clear blue sky, I promised a season that would never end. Marsh's house was large and spacious, holding sway in the street. Tommy's father was a successful lawyer, and his mother buckled back the town's housewife trend for being an equally successful doctor. Despite their long working hours, their flourishing careers, Tommy was never left wanting to attention or love. Although lately, Whilst they were always loving towards him, their feelings never seemed to reach each, each other. Despite the best efforts to spare him, they were arguing. Houses were only so big, and their noises travelled. The last few weeks, they had seemed to fight a lot. He had a little idea to, to, as to why his birthday was providing a united front, at least on the surface. Captivating Cosmo X was a child's musician. That he had been that had been bought due to Tommy's own love of magic. He was fascinated by the world, so removed from the bricks and mortar of his own. He longed for the excitement of the unknown. He longed for the boundaries to be torn down between worlds and peek behind the curtains of life. He had been desperate for his party, and had been dancing a hot old tin, waiting for the day to arrive. His presence had gone largely unnoticed, and unwrapped as he, as he waited, not very patiently, for the magician to arrive. He was not a stupid child. He knew that cultivating Cosmo X was no doubt to be some middle-aged guy with a dumb costume and a drinking habit. There's always a hope, always a dream. He just might be the real deal, a man of true magic and mystery. A chugging van that had finally pulled into the driveway, his heart skipped even more than just a single bit. A man had emerged from the black vehicle, an aura that Tommy had felt it had that only he could see a man was, was been tall, far taller than any other adult that Tommy had ever seen before. The man was 
like a redwood tree stretching to the heavens, but woolly, with reedy branched arms. It looked like they wouldn't sway in the breeze. His face was a little thin. His eyes resided deep in his skull, in shadowy pockets. His bones were vulpine, sharp enough to cut glass. His hair was long and jet black. His features looked hungry to Tommy's newly twelve-year-old eyes. There was an air of danger that seemed to eliminate from him. Tommy noticed that even his father, normally a man of iron, will and control, seemed to shy away from the magician's handshake. Whilst the adults went inside to conduct whatever business adults did in private, Tommy sneaked around to the magician's van, desperate for a beak. Where are you going? A familiar voice chipped, chirped over his shoulder. He looked over to see PJ, peering nervously on his usual pained expression. Just going to take a look, PJ, he whispered. Hey, yeah, but we're in said it suddenly as he appeared Dixon told as usual. What are you what are you be doing? Dixon asked. Gonna cause a little trouble, Mary refused. I don't know, guys, PJ said worryingly. What if we get caught? Ah oh, nut you ba oh nut you baby Dixon laughed. Wait for me, guys I said, joining the group. Tommy sighed. We wanted to do was take a peek at the creepy magician's private sanctum, but he's readily turning into a group expedition. All right, just come on. If you're coming, he hissed. Van was long and black with a sprayed logo on the side. Didn't particularly look bright and colourful, and Tommy didn't help, couldn't help but think that he didn't seem to be in keeping with children's parties. He carefully headed around the back and tied the tried the back rear door. The handle turned, but he stopped. Ali, come look out. Shit on that, she bristled using her newly discovered and favourite curse phrase. Why do I ever always have to be the lookout? Because you're a girl, Manurian giggled. Hell I am, she snapped back. PJ's more of a girl than me. She's got she's got the air, Dixon laughed, slapping PJ on the back. All right, PJ, you keep lookout, Tommy ordered, growing impatient. PJ went about complaint, seemingly happy to keep his distance from any shenanigans or get him in trouble. Tony knew that PJ's father had been... What he overheard, his own father referred to a drunken bum ever since PJ's mother had died two years earlier. Tony pulled the van door open, wincing in case of any loud creaking of signals in the forest invent tensions. The door swung open smoothly and he peered into the darkness. A large van's interior was panelled and lined with wooden shavings, shelvings and transparent plexi boxes. They held a myriad of colourful offerings. Instead of the van strapped onto the sides, a black rope lacking was a glittering machine that caught all their collective breaths. The guillotine stood proudly with wax wood, a glistening, vicious looking blade that caught the outside sunshine along its dangerous edge. The four of them gathered around the deadly instrument in awe. Tommy noticed that once even Dixon and Erin were silent. Ali stood closer to him. He felt her heart, her trembling heartbeat thud against his arm as he gripped him in fear. Cool, Dixon whispered, breaking the spell. But the women joined him and together they began to rub, run their grubby, sticky hands over the wax wood, probing the joints and stroking the blade. Damn it, McGrawin snapped. His thumb was split open by steel and a thin blood red trail spilled from the wound into the van floor. Dixon's usual track allowed him to laugh at his injured friend. 
before them began to inspect the device with growing fascination, as their fear gave way to intrigue. A dark chestnut wooden frame was tall enough to almost reach the van's roof. At the base was a solid wooden block, each piece joining a half-moon sky curve that made a circle when joined together. The slanted metal blade was suspended by a rope that tried tighter at the side and restrained by some of the strappings secured at the man's thigh panel. Tommy could see delicate carvings in the wood and trace his fingers over the carved artwork, peered closer, and could just bank out images that looked foreign and depicted men and women being dragged to their doom. French, I think, Ali whispered from beside him. She was growing in tendency to cling to him lately. He had begun to notice. Normally it was an irritation. Right now he was loud for the comfort. Dixon met Lewin, began prodding and pulling at the blocks and grass and littered, littered the side of the galaxy. Don't mess about with it, Tommy hissed. Oh, it won't work, McLean grumbled as he kicked the sturdy side of the machine. Is, is, is this where the head goes? And he asked, looking at the two-piece block at the bottom. Let's have a look, Dixon said, bursting, biting past. Tommy watched on. He was fascinated and terrified the equal wedges. As Dixon began pulling frankly at the wooden block, it cleared the sea for the join at the block within two pieces that had formed a circle, where the head should poke through. Dixon's things were not dexterous. His mind was not technical. He was trying to pull up two pieces of heart through brutish strength. But he thinks stuck. Dixon grunted. Tommy looked, one, looked more carefully and could see the two small metal catches on either side. Despite himself, he couldn't refrain from helping. He stepped forward and fingered the metal restraints. He put the one open easily and quickly, followed by the opening the others. Here, he said, gently easing Dixon out of the way. All right, Brainiac, well, Dixon laughed. Hey, Ellie, come stick your head in here, he mentioned, motioned. Ali took a step back, and Tommy took one forward. He was maddeningly curious to see Gertie in action, but also he didn't want to see Ali's head literally on the line. Out of the way, babes, Matt Lorraine said, pushing the door. Tommy and Ali aside roughly. Tommy held his breath as Matt Lane lay down on the plank and placed his head through the semicircle on the bottom of the lock as Dixon held the top piece in the air. Matt Lorraine was still. Dixon lowered the top piece, the block was sealed around McLuhan's neck. So how does it work? McLuhan inquired from his prone position. Dixon, using hard faces, more generally crumbled in conversation, concentration, as he stared at the workings of the side operators. Tommy and Annie both moved towards him, forward, moved forward to join him. The three of them began staring intently at pulleys and levers. For a moment, Tommy forgot that one of his friends was lying in extremely precarious position. Beneath there was a problem of making the gunsing work. became a mental exercise. Maybe this one, Dixon said, pulling hard on a different rope. Tony grasped as the heavy metal blade slipped a little. Maybe here, Ali added, as she pulled a small metallic lever. At this, the time, this time there's a clinking, clicking noise from somewhere inside the machine, but nothing else. Tommy looked at his eyes instead of his, instead of his friend's approach. 
which seemed intent on looking with their hands. It gazed, scanned the various ropes that were anchored to where they ran. The machine looked old, and close up it would smelled heavily of wax and polish. He reached out to touch the rough rope that seemed to be holding the blade, he took the weight in his hand and pulled it slightly. I was surprised at how heavy the blade was. The edge looked razor sharp, and it, there was no trick as far as if of facility of the damage it could afflict. His eyes scanned further and saw a small switch reminding him of the points of a railway train track lane. He seen that one switch was altered when the blade would fall harmlessly past the victim below. He so caught up in the dis- dissection or delusion that for a moment he forgot maneuvering lowering lying below him. A piece of crap, Dixon snapped, and his limited patient ran out. He kicked them particularly hard. Tommy's heart skipped a beat as something slipped inside the mechanism of the guillotine. Suddenly the weight of the blade that he'd been taking they had been testing lightly fell. He found himself taking this whole heavy load. He desperately gripped the rope with his sweating palms. Jesus he placed. His feet were dragged forward and the blade slipped further. Uh, guys, McLuhan said, little nervously, could you let me out now? Help me, I can't hold it. Tommy whispered through his straining arms. Oh, Ali quickly stepped forward and let her wait to the struggle. Even so, Tommy could feel the blade fighting him and wanted to fall. Get me out, McLuhan shouted, his voice full of panic as he squinted under a straining block. Dixon went to the side block round McLuhan's neck and tried to prise him. The small latch is open, but he struggled with his large, clumsy fingers. Shit, I can't open it, he panted. Dixon, help me quick, Tommy said, and his feet were pulled forward again, and the rope slipped another notch through his aching fingers. He looked into McLaren's now terrified face, affected the blade's silver glow. Just as I thought, just as he thought the fight was lost, Dixon was surely joined him. His bigger boy shoved Ali out of the way. Ali went McLuhan, get McLuhan out. And Tommy whispered as his arms shook with effort. Ali quickly knelt down and worked on the catches with smaller, nimble fingers. Tommy could feel the blade was not set up to fall. If only gravity to guide its way, there was obviously some sort of counterweight measure that would drive the blade down fast and hard. Even Dixon's added effort, they were still fighting to prevent the blade from flying downwards. Ali, Tommy whispered, a sweat drift from his forehead. Thankfully, Ali didn't waste time answering. She pried frankly at the stubborn catch. Blood began to drip from her fingers as her soft flesh was torn open. Her desperation. The rest happened in slow motion before Tommy's eyes. He saw Ali finally lift the top piece of a straining block just as he felt the rope slip from his grasping scorching the skin. Because of, their, because of their holding the blade against its wheel, attention built up, meaning that the downward force was now undefined. He did nothing but just to pray. As McLuhan lifted his head from the block and sat up just as the blade fell, it was a split second that lasted an eternity. His race was far too close, as the race was, far, was too close to call. blade fell fast and McLuhan moved quickly. He could swear that he saw the vicious cutting edge slice the top of his single hair. A single hair on McLuhan's head as his part friend leapt forward. The blade smashed down hard into 
into and through the separated restraining block. The sound was monstrous and confines the van as a clinging echoed off the walls. How the illusion was supposed to work wasn't this. All he wanted of each other were green gilled faces, eyes open wide for the shock. Suddenly they burst into scared laughter. Tension was slightly dispelled. Tommy Render wondered if he had damaged what looked like a special piece of machinery and shuddered out how many lawns he might have to mow in order to pay that pay it off. What are you doing? A voice shot them all from behind. Tommy turned and found a blurry eyed woman with too much makeup and glazed eyes staring out at them. Out now, she commanded, with slightly slurred words. Annadale, Annadale, she chipped, clapped. Tommy and Annie trooped out, and the heads bowed, and cheeks burning in shame, while Dixon, while Dixon and McLuhan bowed their heads to go and look down the woman's glittery top as they elbowed each other. Back in the daytime, Tommy could see that the woman was obviously dressed as a magician's sister. She wore a tight spangled top and glittered with sequins on top of a bright red ruffled skirt and fishnet stockings. Her face looked painted and well-worn, with lights, lines around her eyes. She smelled of cigarettes, smoke, and was unsuccessfully covered by choking, heavy perfume. Get out of the back to your party, she grumbled, showing them away. Following them around back to the garden, finding PJ sitting uncomfortably, sipping soda on the table, and it was laid out with food and drink. Nice one, you chicken, Dixon, snapped. You're supposed to be keeping watch. Tommy saw that the middle lewin was set to punch PJ hard on the arm. Leave him alone, he ordered. McLean looked over looked over the challenge in order to for dropping his arm in compliance. It was only to roll the group that no one ever raised a hand to her. It was always at them against the world. Sorry, PJ mumbled sheepishly. Tommy couldn't hold a grudge against his friend. He knew he couldn't should have left it, uh, him on the lookout. The reason they normally left Ali to keep the watch was because it wasn't because he's girl, it was because he was the calmest under pressure and the most reliable. Already they thought that many fatal accident receding. Now it seemed foolish to believe that they had seen as close to danger as us as he first thought. Increasingly sure that his imagination might be running right as they couldn't have been couldn't have been that close to tragedy on such a sunny day. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, his parents sung, interpreting his thought, interrupting his faults as he excited, exited the house, carrying a cake, blazing with twelve candles. Friends soon took up the song, both with Dixon McLean chiming in to take the piss as usual. After the food was served and everyone was stuffed, it was time for the show. Tommy had barely eaten anything as he could not forget the glittering steel on the back of the van. A captivating Cosmo X, master of unknown, began his act in front of his panoramic table. Routine was a session of tricks and props that Tommy had seen before. Though man was an obvious talent, his patter was dull and overly practised. His hands were dexterous and skilled, but Tommy couldn't help but feel a little disappointed by the musician. The man's creepy appearance had now seemed just the imagination of a child. Tommy had just about given up on the guillotine, making an appearance. He was thinking that maybe the captivating Cosmo X had an old show his repertoire 
that was sunny. He was wheeled, it was wheeled out into the sunlight. He heard his parents and other weather elves gasp and a few laughs, a few laughed nervously. Gertine had been very posing in full effect, captivating Cosmo X. Took a firm hold of his assistant, whose unconvincing assistants had previously looked bored and undisinterested. Face of Sully, if they ask of fear, Tommy's interest picked up, perked up. He moved to the front, away from the seated f- friends and standing parents behind them. He knelt to the grass, only a few feet from the show. Ladies and gentlemen, the captivating Cosmo Rex, slowly, spoke loudly, his voice as wildly high and scarish. This canteen is actually an instrument of death, as used during the French Revolution. Imagine you are noble man. Marched away as they do before this mighty blade. Tommy saw his parents grow concerned at the sudden dark turn in the act, but all his friends, att- but all his friends' attention were now raped. Just how many souls this old girl would have taken? Nobody knows. The blood and screams of death are burned into her very wooden bones. The captivating Cosmo X hissed very resonantly. But no matter how many lies she has taken, she's always hungry for one more. Tony looked under the assistant, smirked in the magician's grasp. Her face was now alive with fear as he tried to break free. I told you I don't want to do this bit, Tommy heard in a whisper. Mission pressed on as though he heard that she hadn't spoken. Darling, I know, don't make me. Tommy could see soft tears spring from the woman's eyes and a heavy makeup beginning to smudge. This cultivating Cosmo X, master of the unknown, dragged the woman to a team and forced her ever see the position. Tommy looked around, but no one was seen to notice the woman was now sobbing gently. All attention seemed to be focused on the glistening blade. The wooden pieces snapped together around the assistant's head. Holding him in position as a Cosmo X walked around the side of the machine and gripped the rope and strained the blade. He ran his fingers into a frayed rope and hooked it from the safety position, taking the weight into his own hands. Tommy felt his help pound furiously, and it seemed just like his close, like only, only in his close proximity position could he see clearly. Close proximity position, he could see directly into the woman's eyes, were wide with fear. They went behind him, were holding their collected breaths and waiting for the bleed to fall at the end of the show. He looked up at Cosmo X, captivating Cosmo X, master the unknown, and how seen, who now seems scary again. His smooth face was pale when his eyes looked into the distance. Whether it was all part of the show or not, Tommy couldn't tell. He wanted to shout a warning, but he didn't want to see. Seemed like a child scared at the movies. He just only stared on and prayed. Madame Beauvoir, the magician announced to the covering, you have been guilty of the crimes against the people. You have sentenced to pay the ultimate price for the betrayal. 
for any last words. Please, have a woman whispered. I'm sorry, she said in a small voice that Tommy thought she was the only one who heard her. Arnold, I'm so sorry. Viva la France, the magician screamed as he let the blade drop. Tommy's eyes shut it. Tommy shut his eyes as the blade fell. Because of his proximity, only he felt a warm splash, a sticky, li- sticky liquid on his face, and heard the soft, bouncing thud on the lawn. As he opened his eyes to stare at the horror of the deprecated assistant's head, his ears were still ringing with deafening screams.